Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and the quest. Gorgareth, in the last episodes of the show, our party have made their way uh, to the barony, and they are uh, hoping to hike a heck of a mountain uh, up in the uh, the Spire Mountains there, uh, hoping to find uh, a certain Eindindereth, the white dragon, or to get some of his sweet, tasty dragon blood. Uh, with this sweet, tasty dragon blood, they'll be able to adorn their uh, Belgian waffles uh, and make a wonderful potion to give them immunity to the hellish fire of an ancient red dragon, which they definitely need to melt that brick of metal. Uh, on their journey, however, they not only met, met with the uh, sort of the last remaining captain of the guard, over here in uh, Hillhide, um, Darum. Uh, they also met with Gudwix, the goblin troop leader who had, uh, wh- what is that, a uh, mutiny? What, what do you call that again when you uh, leave the battle? What's that called again? He's a deserter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's a deserter. Got two scoops of ice cream with that plate. Um, but they deserted, saying stuff about how the uh, shaman was sort of misled in their ways. They didn't want to be any part of it. Said that the dragon and the shaman were pushing up into the mountains and it didn't look good. Uh, Our party also befriended a wonderful musician who had much to say, much to sing, and much to give. Uh, Our friend Doondalin Starbreeze. Um, And apart from that, the party, after going to the uh, Fort Evergreen, they saw what was left over of the fort, uh, realizing that the elves had come in clutch to help out, but saw that an old friend from a time ago Sirathal had met an untimely fate though he died apparently a hero's death doing the right thing and helping out even though really didn't have to uh the last we saw of our party they had made it a day up into the mountains on their way up to the peak um and uh we were just talking about it a second ago but we had set up a camp and this camp was just about to be smashed into by a couple of uh little frosty wyverns so my question is, what would our camp have looked like? Because the way that I imagined it was, it was something of a cave. But uh, since it's higher up, I imagine you probably would have wanted to have it to be a certain elevation above the ground around it to make it a little bit easier to kind of, you know what I mean? So I don't know if there's any other specific uh, details you guys would have wanted. Maybe a ballista or something uh, built into the cave at some point, maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> an, old, an old ballista. Um 
Uh, no, Norhill's going to use some of uh, the tent fabric uh, from the big military tent to hang it in front of the cave mouth to you know, maintain a little bit of heat in case it gets cold up in the mountains. So we'll say that in the morning when you guys pulled the flaps back, that's when you saw uh, these things careening towards you. So uh, unless anybody has anything else to say, I mean, the frost wyverns are, are just driving directly towards you guys in this place. So uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to do? Anything that's not like an action or something like that. Uh, does it seem like they've spotted us? Well, judging by the fact that they're aiming directly at like this little cavity in the mountain side, yeah. Oh no, are we in their house? <laughs> uh, Norhill's gonna shout for everyone to take cover. Okay, yeah. and I know last episode I uh, had people do uh, nature and arcana checks, but if you guys would like to, you can roll another one. Now that we've identified what it was, I'll, I'll allow another check to see what we know about them. Eleven. Ten. Eleven and a ten. I mean, from what you guys know, uh, all wyverns, maybe the frosty variety is the same, but what do you know about just wyverns in general? I mean, they're similar to dragons, but not really. Sort of like dragon kin, but they're known for having one heck of a deadly sting. Uh, the poison being sought after from assassins and, and everybody, uh, anybody who's looking to do a lot of damage with a little bit of goop. Um, it's pretty well known that these things are pretty dumb, but incredibly violent and persistent. So certainly not the kind of thing that you guys would want to be tussling with. So that's about the best I can give you. Um, I guess the only other thing I would say, uh, the temperament you guys know from them, not only are they stupid and aggressive, but they're usually solitary hunters. There's rumor that these things have been tamed in the past, so do with that what you will. As far as their overall distance, I'm going to say they're about 300 feet away from you guys. How many of them are there? Two wonderful, bouncing baby wyverns. Oh, okay, they're small. I was thinking that these things were, like, size huge. Oh, sorry, no, they, they are huge. Oh. Uh. I just wanted to get your hopes up before I killed your characters. Are they bigger than like a horse? Like how big is this center? Uh, I would say it's like if you took a a like a you know like those uh what do they call them the Budweiser horses there you know what I'm talking about like the big gigantic Quite horses yeah scale. like that but then with just a giant wingspan they don't have forearms and instead they just have like the uh like sort of claws and wingies like fingers dangling from their uh. From their wings. The way I would describe it is the dragons from Game of Thrones, like those quote unquote dragons, are actually just wyverns where they don't have like arms in the front. They got their wings that they, you know what I mean? Careful about wandering like into that. that debate. Yeah. Well, you know what? Foot down. <laughs> Called it. Hey, man, you pluck the wings off a dragon. It's a drake. Put wings on, take off the front legs. That's a wyvern. If you make it, it long, it's a worm. <laughs> But um, that's a worm with an O, not with a Y. It's very different. <laughs> okay, so uh, what would we like to do? Let's roll for initiative as they seem to still be careening towards you guys. I imagine the time that you guys open up the flaps and look outside is just enough time for everybody to have gotten their gear together and everything uh, prepped and ready. 
All right, so Starbreeze has a five. Wyvern's got a natural 20, bringing them up to a total of 20. Okay, great. Nice decks. We know their decks. <laughs> Quick, throw all the deck stuff at them. Clica got right, a 23. So, okay, so Clica, Wyvern, anybody else get higher than a 20? Okay. 17. Uh, who got it next? What? 17 for Jarzak. Cool. This is right, so... More Hill is going next with a 16. Okay. In town got a nine. Very good. So Klika, Wyverns, Jarzak, Norhill, uh, Anton, and then so I imagine the cave you guys are in probably arcs back about 25 feet at the deepest. Uh, the width of the mouth of this thing probably opens up. It looks, uh, I don't want to say the shape of it. It's wider at the uh, outset of it. Like the mouth of the cave is wider than the actual like tube of the body of it. So the outside mouth of this thing is probably about 25 feet wide, but the inside of it's about 15 to 20. You get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like that weird kind of like almost like a T-shape a little bit. Um but yeah, okay. So Klika's got the initiative. These guys look like they're 300 feet away, but they are hauling ass. Not hauling oats. Mm-hmm. Hauling ass. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Klika will just bonus action Shadow Blade, I guess, and step to the front so that they don't just come to the cave and stab Starbreeze to death. Hey, man, don't you worry about Starbreeze, okay? He brought his Wyvern deterrent uh, with him. Didn't we try and give him a weapon, and he politely declined several times? Yeah, he's got I his, he's got his I sick licks. I can't remember. Uh, Is it for your turn? Uh, yeah, I don't think I need to cast anything else right now. You said 300 feet, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I should be fine. So on their turn, both wyverns uh, flapping their wings uh, and pulling them in very quickly. Both of them speed forward like missiles directly for the mouth as if they're both going to collide into each other as well as the mouth. Not at all with concern of doing this in an orchestrated or like polite effort between the two of them. They look like like just gnashing mouths, both of them trying to get a bite in on whatever they can. They clear about 160 feet of distance in their movement and are about 140 feet away from the mouth and are careening towards you guys. Uh, yeah. It looks like towards the end of that flight, though, they sort of pull out of the bullet shape and kind of like hold their wings back as if to kind of slow down a little bit. And you see tails and stingers getting ready already, as well as clawed feet getting ready to grab. Um, and that brings us to Jarzak. Jarzak? Okay. Uh... How far away are they? 140. Okay, I'll move up 20 feet and Eldritch Blast them. If you moved up 20 feet, you'd be stepping out of the cave and like falling. <sighs> Prepare the action. I'll move back 20 feet and prepare an Eldritch Blast for when they get closer. To the back of the cave. It's not a bad idea. 
All right. Fair enough. Did you want to split the attack or hit uh, one of them only? Just whichever one gets closest first. Okay, cool. Um, and that brings us to Norhill. What's he up to? Uh, Norhill is going to go stand beside Klika and uh, take the dodge action. Okay. And we'll say that like the mouth of this cave leading down, it's probably about 30 or so feet scrambling down to the bottom where it's sort of a flat landing where there's some like sort of residual water chilling. Not exactly like like ponds or streams or anything like that, but it's just kind of like, you know what I'm talking about when like the snow melts and you get like that big giant dirty puddle on a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. There's a big one of those. Uh, the 30 feet that it takes to get down is probably at like a 60 degree angle. So it's definitely not something you could just walk down. Uh, you could cautiously like sidestep, I guess. So if that paints a picture for you guys. Um, but yeah, just so that we're all clear on that. Nobody's fallen off a cliff into the ocean that I didn't describe. But um, yeah, okay. So we're dodging and waiting. Uh, and that just leaves us with Anton and Star Breeze. Anton's going to wait near the cave entrance and have a third level Scorching Ray ready to hit both of them with two rays. What's the range on that? 120 feet. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So you're going to stand at the mouth of it, too? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, And Starbreeze uh, steps forward as well on this turn, uh, pulls out his his loot again, and starts to strum a couple of chords really quickly. Um, it doesn't provide any sort of major actual benefit to anybody at all. And he just starts kind of like twanging around and starts tuning the strings on this. And he says, I like to be inspired in the heat of the dramatics. And as he looks up from tuning his lute and sees a couple of wyverns flying towards him with the stingers ready, the sound of like a frog, like combusting in his throat as he's like, as he just turns and cartoonishly like flops and trips and falls, trying to scramble to the back of the cave. Uh, I'm not going to say he obscures Darzak's vision, but him flailing his arms and running to the back as fast as he can is certainly distracting. He's going to die on this mountain. Wait, is he coming at me like an enemy? Does that trigger my Eldritch Blast? (laughs) And you're like, no, 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 no. You're too angry. Like us trying to remember, trying to figure out if half elves prefer to be buried or just left to the elements. Picks up, he picks up a sharp-looking rock on the ground and looks over at Jarzak and he says, "So I guess this is what heroes are made of, right?" Sharp-looking rocks. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's what he means. Um, but uh, okay, and that brings us to the top of the round with Klika. Okay, Klika's gonna cast Fire Shield in the flame formation. That's the noise it makes. Okay. There's two formations I can choose with it. I'm not telling you what the other one is. (laughs) Very good. I love it when when you are trying to be my enemy. Um, so so what does it actually do? So I know it will do 2d8 fire damage to anything that attacks me, and I have resistance to cold damage. Damn. Anything that attacks me within five feet with a melee attack. I'm sure none of this will happen at all. It's not as if this spell is perfectly made to fight this exact enemy. But with that, our wyverns, if that's the end of your turn. Mm. Do I want a bonus action that? 
Yeah, I'm gonna b- b- bonus action that bad boy and take the dodge action as well. Okay. And so with that, uh, the two wyverns come careening in at full speed with their wings flapping to cut down on the speed a little bit and their stingers at the ready, looking like they're going to close the gap. But before they can, we have a few actions going off. Technically, Anton's goes off first because of the distance, and then Jarzax will go off second. So go ahead. Um, who are you targeting anyway? I'm trying to target both of them because I technically have four shots. I want cool. two shots for All right, roll it up. Okay, one second. I haven't done this on this in a while. Do, do, do. I'm going to... Oh, one second. Silly iPad. I'm going to do the first roll. Oh, shit. That's terrible. What did you get? 15. Okay. Uh, 15 hits. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll do the first hit. Yeah, they're just big, loopy idiots. Like, they're not exactly dexterous oh. flying machine. They're literally flying towards you with their brakes on. Like, first they're one, not exactly... First like, one took seven points of damage. Okay. First uh, we'll, say the one on the, we'll say the one on the left has one horn, and the other one on the right has two horns. So okay. you shot the one on the left. Yep, I'll shoot the one on the left again. Okay, hurry up, let's go. I'm trying, I got an 18. Okay. And it gets an additional, oh my God. One second. And you're using a tablet for this? Yeah, it's not playing nice, one second. It's an additional six points of damage. Okay, perfect, great. All right, what about the next guy? Two shots the next one. Hey, you want to calm down? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm asking for your uh, dice roller to speed up. How about that? Okay, first one. God damn. 13 to hit. What did you say? 15? 13. Oh, that's a miss. Really? Shit. Second one. 27. That one's a hit. That one got, oh shit, because that was a crit. Fuck. That got 12 points of damage. So that one got shot in the eye, and he's like, ow. All right, and then as they continue careening forward, not deterred by blaring sunlight, shot off in reflector beams at them, Jarzak's attack goes off. And we'll say that uh, Lefty with one horn is the one who comes in first. Okay, uh... 26 to hit for 9 damage. Damn. And the other one missed. Okay. Um, Alright, and so with the rest of their turn, uh, they're going to come fluttering in, and uh, from what they saw before, what is, uh, what's Anton wearing for armor? I always forget. Is it scale mail? Yes. Okay. So both of them are, in fact, going to go in for Klika instead. Um, and they're both going to just come stabbing, swinging, biting, grabbing as much as they can. So, first and foremost, we've got... Uh, ooh, this is not looking good. Um, so, they both come chomping in as if to kind of like try to hold her in place. Uh, we got a 20 and an 18. 
uh, they were rolling a disadvantage, right? Because, well, uh, in that case, I got a I got an eighteen, and my next attack, I got a fumble. They all miss. I'm yeah, well, great. What is their armor class anyway? Twenty-one. Oh boy. Well, I got on the second one pretty good. I got a oh fucker. I got a twenty-one. You said twenty-one AC. Yeah, I will cast oh. shield. I knew you would. And the second one stabs in with his tail. Oh, see, that one's good. That one was a 24. I have 26 AC for the rest of the round. Well, good. Go fuck yourself, I guess. What do you want from me? I don't know. You uh, attacked Cleco. What did you expect? The sorcerer has less uh, AC than the fighter. Unpossible. So what's, the, what's, the, um, what's the range of your uh, spell effects? Because they've got 10-foot reach. Uh, they have to hit me with the fire shield for it to go off. So, figured as much, but I was just making sure it wasn't like a yeah, five foot it, distance. Then it's five. Uh, they have to be within five feet of me. Okay. Well, uh, so in that case, now it goes to. Sorry, your little pictures here moved around on Zoom, so I'm like I had it memorized by space location. Is Jarzak? Okay, I will move up and attack. Okay. Fair enough. They are 10 feet away from the entrance of it, though. Okay. Um, I move up. I'll bonus action move up to where Klika and Norhill are. Uh, good luck up there. Slap both their backs and cast fly on them, and I'll move back to the back of the cave. With my okay. move. Oh and, boy. Yeah. What was your armor class? I mean, what are you wearing for armor? N- not much. <laughs> they might have just found a snack hiding in the back of the cave. You know, it's really a lot of pain to try to digest full plate, which is why Norhill's probably at the bottom of the menu. But they just saw a delectable string bean come running up wearing what, just leather or something? Yeah, I'll pull oh, my baby. shield out and just hold it in front of me. I thought like, Jarzak was wearing at least like medium armor. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, it's 17 AC. Well, what's the actual type? Uh, it's scale male. Yeah, scale. Okay. Well, then I guess Kleeka really is just the most delectable until they see Starbreeze. He's <laughs> <laughs> just wearing freaking traveler's clothes. He was gift wrapped as a snack. He's like a cannoli. I mean, All technically, right, uh, Klika's just wearing traveling clothes. Well, good. That's why they're going for her. <laughs> so now uh, Norhill's up. All right. Uh, well, Norhill can fly now, so he's going to flank um, the wyvern with one horn with Klika. Uh, Klika doesn't threaten and feet. Yeah. All right. Well, Norhill's just going to attack it. Are you going to fly out to be around it so that you can get the flank? Yeah, eventually. Um, I, I mean, it, it, like it eventually moves closer to Klika, which it may or may not. Um, Probably won't. But yeah, no, I'll be in, you know, I'll, I'll leave the window open for Klika. And uh, uh, 16 to hit. Yeah, that's good. On lefty or righty? Uh, the one with one horn. Okay, lefty. Uh, for 12 points of piercing and lightning damage. 
Okie doke. And second. Yeah, they don't look to be too wounded yet. Uh, 21 to hit. Okay. Uh, for another 12. Thank. Okay. Swag. Um, so again, they don't look bloodied yet, or at least Lefty doesn't look bloodied yet, which is uh, and, uh, North a little bit alarming. The rest of his movement uh, with flying to sort... Oh, no, I said I was going to leave it for open for clicking. Never mind. Uh, I hope you. I, I hope you don't need my shield. My shield abilities. I'm sure Clico's fine. She can only block so much. Uh, so Anton's up now. Rumi wants to use flaming spear, but I don't know if that's gonna fuck up everyone else in flying distance. No. I mean, it'll fall to the ground and roll around on the ground. Probably kill a couple of small frogs and critters, but oh, right, it can't fly. Yeah, I don't think I could put that thing in there. Fucking meter at that point. I was wondering if I could. Mm, I always imagined it as a hovering orb, but just a little mini sun that just sort of sits five feet off the ground. I don't think it can go up, but I always imagined it hovered. I didn't think it rolled on the ground. I feel like that'd be a very overpowered spell at that level, just flying it around, just like a hot blimp. I mean, that's what it does. It just floats around and burns stuff. I mean, I've always thought of it as rolling, but either way. So what are you planning on doing then? I feel like it's too close for a scorching ray. Um, I think I might bring out my candle guardian again. <laughs> get an attack. Have him do some dirty work for me. I was going to say, the candle guardian, reach? it doesn't have the space. Really? You don't think there's... Oh, wait, no. I mean, I guess at this point, since Norhill moved out and Klee and you are on either side, you guys would be able to spawn it in between you. Yeah, I was just going to do that. That's okay. No, it's not okay. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, you summon that unearthly, horrifying candle fucking (laughs) beast. (laughs) And yeah, so do you remember (laughs) off the top of your head the general rules of what it does? I am reading them (laughs) as you think. He's within... It is within feet. If anything moves within 10 feet of it, Everything must succeed on dexterity saving throw, or it takes 20 radiant damage. Disappear after how many damage being dealt out? 60. Should say it at the bottom. I think it's like 100 points or something like that. 60. 60. 60. 60. The Guardian vanishes when dealt, when it's yeah, been yeah. dealt. That's not that bad. I could take it. All right. So with that, our arcane knowledge wielding uh, wyverns decide to press on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So with that, your giant stinky candle appears in the mouth of the cave. Uh, you okay. can hear in the back the audible exclamation of Starbreeze. Nice. Um, and with that, Star... What were you going to say? No, I'm not sure if it'll if it can technically attack them right away. Any creature that moves to a space within 10 feet of the Guardian for the first time on a turn must succeed on a dexterity saving. I have to wait for its turn. So I guess uh, it depends on Dan to rule whether or not the Guardian appearing also triggers the effect right away. I mean, I wouldn't imagine so. Seems like it's all movement dependent. 
It, it, need, it, need, it needs a moment to get oriented. Okay. okay. Gotta heat up. I mean, it definitely protected the hole. Um, but now Norhill's floating outside by himself. Um, and so, yeah, now Sirithal, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, not Sirithal, oh, too soon. Uh, but with that Starbreeze, Dundalin runs up to the uh, edge behind Kliga with his sharp rock in tow. And he says, if I'm going to be somebody, it's going to be a hero. And he throws a rock at the Wyvern. He got a two plus his dex mod. So the hot three, it goes flying off beside the thing and clatters down below harmlessly. Do you, uh, do you want your grave to be marked or unmarked? Like, my name's not Mark, it's Dundalin. Thanks for noticing. Unmarked anyway, it Clint. is. That's easier. All right, well, it's Clink's turn. Okay, Clink's going to fly up. Can she fly in a way that gets her within five feet of both wyverns? Yeah, you can just fly in between them. Would I be flanking with Norhill for one of them then? Mm, we'll say that that's how it worked out. All right, nice. Okay, I will attack the one horned one that I'm flanking with Norhill. I'm going to twin spell green flame blades. So I'll make my first attack on the one horned one with advantage. 23 to hit. Okay. So that's 21 points of psychic and fire damage total. And then I will attack the other one. Not with advantage. That's a nat one. So that just goes wide. Uh, And then I will spend... Two sorcery points, bonus action, attack the uh, one-horned one again with Booming Blade. Really, Captain? That's a 22 to hit. Okay. For 22 damage. Wow. Right to you. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so that one definitely looks heartily wounded. Uh, but being the big giant flying moron that it is, uh, the two of them, I mean, unless the rules of flanking are, are different from what I recall, I mean, they have flank on you at this point, too. Oh, boy. So with that, uh, they're going to just start hacking at you. But uh, the thing is, now that they're flying, um, they now have the ability to grab with their claws on their feet. So... At advantage, uh, I got a 23. I will shield again. So it goes up to 26? Yeah. Okay. So one of the claws goes in with the other claw, and I got a 27 that time. That'll do it. Holy moly. Okay. So what I need you to do... Ooh, never mind. You're automatically grappled. Uh, So with that, uh, claw grasps at you, and you take a quick... Kaboom, 13 points of damage as it grabs onto you. And the other one, um, because it grappled, I don't get any advantages. I already have you flanked. The other one uh, reaches in with its stinger and attempts to stab in at you with that real quick. Uh, Uh, The the one that grappled me takes 10 fire damage, and I'm going to bump that up to 18 with Fury of the Small. 
Okay. Gotta do some quick addition. I am still not by fucking much. That Fury of the Small was uh, very close, but I'm still holding on. <laughs> Almost at it. Not by much. So now that it missed with that, it's also going to try to snap in with its mouth. I rolled a, a the exact same numbers again. So the other one is utterly useless, and the two of them are just napping and snatching, uh, sorry, gnashing and snapping at, at Klika as one of them holds her in place. Uh, so with that, that's the end of their turn, and now it goes to Jarzak, correct? Yeah. Uh, so yes, Jarzak's going to just stay back in Eldritch Blast. Okay, um, I'm going to say you can't see past the giant candle thingy because it blocks your line of sight. It's technically a large creature, right? Are you allowed to shoot through large creatures? Isn't it a spirit? <laughs> like, I suppose actually... so, but I still feel like shooting directly through friendly light. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess just the layout of the cave in my head has it with like the, the mouth of the cave and this thing standing directly in the middle of it. I mean, all you have to do is move up a little bit to be able to do it, but then I will stay huddled in the back with this bard and dodge. For what it's worth, uh, Starberry's moved up and he threw a rock. Okay, well, <laughs> I will... This is a Jarzak. They can't have that much wisdom. You've got this. No, I'm... Ar- oh, okay, you want me to break concentration on fly? To yeah, I'm, I'm being held right now. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, no, you guys aren't. Noriel's not flying either. It's fine. It's good. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's fake I'll news. Move to the back of the cave, then dodge if I'm not already there. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I assumed you were already in the back of it. So you cower in fear in a puddle of bravery. Oh, you guys got um, this. I. I gave you gave the troops my best spells. Yeah, I was gonna say the blade size. Um, so with that, uh, now it goes to Norhill. Uh, uh, which one has Klika? Uh, lefty with one horn, and it looks to be incredibly wounded. Yeah, I'm apparently also that. wreathed in booming blade energy. I believe it sure is. Uh, so Norhill's gonna go after that one. Um. Does Klinka still threaten, even though she's grappled? I don't believe so, but at the same time, you can attack within a grapple, so I, I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm asking. supposing so. Uh, well, do I get advantage for flanking or not? I'll give it to you. Like Klinka could be bound in iron straps and somehow pull off a spell to be able to kill things. So. Klinka threatens too much. Yeah. Uh, for 14 points of uh, lightning and piercing damage. All right, what's the kill look like on Lefty? Uh, Norhill uh, bats it in the side of the head so that it you know goes tumbling down the uh, loose embankment. Oof. Yeah, that thing lands with a thunk and a screech. The other one screeches uh, as well, seeing its accomplice die a painful little death. Uh, so what would Norhill like to do now? I'd move up and hit the other one. I think if as long as it released Klika, 
you're, you can get into flanking with this one too. Cause I was wedged between them. So when it let me go, I should be back somewhere near there. Uh, either yeah, way, with I, your... rolled the same, I rolled the same 21 on both dice. I was going to uh, say the distance to get all the way around to the other one to get flanking would be too much just because they're large. Uh, all right. Well, 21 have 60 feet of flying. Um, I was thinking about dwarf speed. Yeah. Oh, five, five, five. So either way, 21 to hit. And I'm going to turn this one into a goading attack. Uh, well, that one's no easy meal. Why don't you look over here? He's like, do you even know what that's going to do to my digestive tract? Uh, for 25 points of damage. <laughs> These fucking cursed dice. Um, yeah, and I got a two on my saving throw. All right, so yeah, it has disadvantage on attacking anybody but me until the beginning of my next turn. I think this thing might be just dumb enough to believe that you're probably a better target to go after. So it's going to go after you now. So it just I mean, turns uh, in space. Ironically, yes, I have a lower armor class than Klika. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But the problem is, is again, the, ecologically speaking, this thing doesn't want to eat you because it sure doesn't want to shit you out. Like, it, it doesn't digest bones and armor, so it's just going to, like... you imagine just pooping out full plate? <laughs> Owl pellet? It it? <laughs> just playing. Little Norhill <laughs> like, Owl pellet. Like a smart car falling from the sky. <laughs> but um, with that... So it goes to grab onto you uh, with of its clawed feet viciously. And I got a 23. Uh, I am going to use warding maneuver. Okay. Is that a reaction? Uh, yes. And unfortunately, it still hits um, because I rolled a three on that D8. Um, but I have uh, resistance to all the damage from the attack. Okay. I'm sure it'll come in handy when you're grappled. Uh, you now take 10 points of damage and you can cut that in half. And then uh, um, minus but, three because it's non-magical, uh, non-elemental damage, right? I didn't minus the three yet. Right. You got a lot of math you do on your end, man. That ain't my job. So, I ain't a mathematician. Uh, that, that, that 10 became two points of damage. <laughs> Very well. Well, guess what? Here comes the fucking stinger. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You're not, Klika. I was like, damn, I didn't hit mid to high 20s. I got a 23. Is uh, that what I got last time? Yeah. Yeah, Norhill's yep. the one you want to get hit with the stinger. He has resistance to poison. Klika has nothing against that. I think I'm not using poison damage. Oh. <laughs> Homebrew. Dunk. All right. Uh, you can roll your con saving throw, though. And it's not against poison, so I don't get my advantage. Um, it's not poison damage, so you don't get resistance. But against a poison effect, yes. Oh, sweet. Well, actually, hold on. You don't get advantage on the first one. The second one, you will. <laughs> How many are there? What am, what, 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 so, hold on. What am I rolling for? The one con saving throw, not at advantage. Okay. Uh, that is going to be an 18. Okay, good. So with that, you take 
from the stab wound as the thing holds you with its foot and stabs you with its piercing little pointy here. Uh, you take 11 points of piercing damage. I didn't do any of the minuses or modifiers. Um, and then as it stabs into you with its pincer, uh, I mean, sorry, the piercing there, um, you feel it begin to pump your bloodstream with a, a painful, biting, cold poison. Um, and as you feel your muscles begin to seize up, you take, oh boy, I'll cut it in half for you. All right, wait, 15, hold on. Uh, that is, that's at no save? No, this one you did save. I'm cutting it in half. Because you got the saving throw. You said you got what, 20? 18? 18? Yeah, okay. So I broke this one in half. Uh, 15 points of cold damage. Jesus. Don't worry. You would have had to roll a second saving throw, and I'm not going to tell you for what. But uh, that's it for its turn. Uh, and now it goes to Jarzak. Uh, yes, yeah, same, same thing. Just going to bunker down. Fair enough. You know, it, it, it might sound like it's like, man, Jarzak's being such a baby. But, I, you know, I thought about no. how you guys are going to have to fight a dragon. And I thought about Jarzak giving flight to people. And I was like, you know, it would be pretty fucking funny if somebody with a modicum of intelligence knew who cast the spell of fly, bunked Jarzak on the head. And all of a sudden, you two ding-dongs fall from the sky. Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I think we're starting to hit that threshold where we're like, you know. I think that's a parachute. We got the resources to kill just and break Jarzak um, just looks down at his sword and he's like, uh don't worry, bud. I'll feed you later. <laughs> Very well. Well, now it goes to Norhill. All right. Uh, Norhill's going to bash on the one that's holding him. Okay. Are you going to try to break the grapple or just attack? Just attack. Okay. I'm definitely not going to try to take you away. Uh, that's going to be another 21 to hit. Okay. I cast shield. I'm just kidding. Uh, for 13 points of damage. <laughs> okay. All my minions now come with shield. Uh, be pretty good. Uh, and then 19 to hit. Okay. Uh, for a further 10 points of damage. So this one looks bloodied. All right. And now it goes to Anton. They're within 10 feet of the guardian. Did. I get my turn skipped? No? Didn't Norhill kill one, move, get flanking attack, get attacked, and then get just attack again? Ooh, I've only... Jarzak. Didn't, didn't Norhill just have a turn? No? Okay. He just did. But then we were dealing with his saving throws on my turn. Okay. Did you not get your turn? Yeah, but Klika goes before the... Wyverns. So, yeah. Yeah. That's I what I'm trying to figure out now. I think Klika got skipped. Hold it. Roll back the tape. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Klika did get skipped. I'm trying to figure out how, how well, that happened. Because I'm like because Norhill just made his third turn and I've only attacked uh, twice. Well I, it, I think Anton might have got skipped too. Yeah. And after Norhill, it went straight to, to them. Because I'm trying to think. I didn't, unless I blended together, because I have it on my notes for the initiative, unless I accidentally did Starbreeze's turn as the Wyvern. But I'm like, 
So that might have been yeah, it. That I think that was it, Dan. <laughs> yep. Because he didn't act either. It, it went Norhill and then to the Wyverns. Well, he acted. He threw a rock. That was that was last turn. Yeah, that no. was last turn. Because <laughs> that was another one. What do people want from me? I was just saying. Come on, man. Because I, I, I really, I think it went Norhill Wyvern Norhill somehow. <laughs> No, 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 because he had to do the saving throws, and then it was like a lot of attention spent back and forth with that. <laughs> but all right, fine. If Anton wants another turn, go ahead, Anton. I don't know why you think that that's the point of the game. Sounded a little selfish to me, to be honest. Well, that's that two horn righty needs to make a deck save. What are you doing to it? Don't you pull Ryan on me and just tell me what, what I need to do. This is how my freaking creature works. Like, it has to beat a deck save or it gets hit with full damage. Wait, what's the... Wait, sorry, I missed the first half of that. First, Spirit Guardian. Because it's within 10 feet of my Guardian, it has to make a deck save or it depends on what type of damage it gets dealt. I gotta fumble. Good, you're getting 20 damage. All right, sorry. <laughs> is this what happens on your turn? You just tell me the damage I take for standing in the wrong place? Yeah, because yes. that's how it works. That's at least how that, that specific thing works. It'll always hit. Yeah, so what are you going to do for your turn, though? Or I guess uh, actions. I, well, I'm trying to... Is anyone... I know Norhill took some pretty serious damage with that sting. Hey, Norhill, do you want to heal right away or because I don't think this other one's going to last that much longer. Yeah, after taking damage from the spirit guardian, how does it look? It, it was bloodied before. It's still bloodied. Slay it. It probably won't survive Kalika's second, sorry, third turn. But, you know, that's the case for most creatures in the world. Once, once that critter goes down, Anton will get nor he'll healed with a cure wounds, but he just wants to be ready just in case. Unless I, because Cleek didn't really take any damage either, right? Or, okay. Yeah, not that much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, uh, and then it goes to uh, good old Starbreeze. Starbreeze picks up another rock and he says, Look at that. I killed the one on the left with one horn. I struck it down. In fact, I'm going to strike this one, too. Uh, Norhill, because you're grappled, I'm going to give him a 50% chance he accidentally throws it at you. Okay, so a rock comes flying from the cave mouth, and while you're being tossed left and right and stabbed with a stinger, a rock bonks you in the head. I rolled really fucking good. This guy's not good at anything, but apparently throwing rocks at Norhill. Uh, you take two dwarves. points of damage. How much? Two. Uh, he is physically incapable of dealing damage to me uh, <laughs> with an impromptu weapon. So you notice a ping noise as it bonks off your helmet. <laughs> and with that star breeze is like, fight the good fight. Just nailing Norhill instead. All right, Klika, go ahead, wrap up the combat. Okay, Klika, we'll just move over and fucking bonk this dude. Yep. Get him with that Bowman Blade. 
Nice. I rolled a one and a four. Use two sorcery points. Try again. 17 hit. One. I have one left. Oh, no. Good thing there's no second combat coming up. And that's 20 damage. Bang. All right. So this thing just cracked triple digits. It's on the doorstep of death. Is that it for your turn? That'll do it. So technically we skipped Gleeka and Anton. So in our weird and wild pile of initiatives, everybody's acted three times. Correct? Correct. Correct. So in that case, it goes to a second time. Oh, right. the fourth, which I'm like, right? Because I'm like, okay, there you go. Yeah, because she would be the start. Does a 16 hit. It sure does. All right, that's the end of this. Uh, 21 damage. That's That sure is the end of it. Well, there it goes. So the thing, while holding on to Norhill, crashes to the ground in its turn. So, Norhill, would you like to roll me a strength or a dexterity saving throw to pull yourself out of the grasping claw as it teeter crashes to the ground? How come I didn't have to do that? Make a strength saving throw? Yeah, pull yourself out of it. I rolled a natural one. Could you? Can I give the help action? No. Norhill only takes four points of damage. I only take one point. Exactly. That's why I don't feel bad about it. Because you were only 30 feet off the ground. It's just having to land underneath a wyvern. <laughs> just the fact that like Norhill just like climbs out from underneath this thing. It's just like... Argh, argh. It just Starbucks is ready with another handful of rocks. Got the rock in his beard. Yeah, yeah Nor- <laughs> Norhill crawls out from under the wyvern and flies as awkwardly as possible. Last first uh, to, to land back up uh, in the cave mouth. Well, that was confusing. He says, uh, yes, often in the din of battle, it is hard to tell what's going on, but. I had your back at every turn, unlike some people. And he looks over to Jarzak in the back. I think your voice changed. Also, do you think wyverns taste good? Actually, historically, (laughs) wyverns have the worst tasting meat in the world. I would know this. I'm worldly traveled. And the fact that my voice has changed is not a matter of the Dungeon Master having a two-week hiatus and not playing this character. I just figured this is the voice I need for this particular story. I just, I'm worried because, you know, the air gets pretty thin the higher you go up. So if you're going to be trying new voices out, it's you're going to be short on breath after a while. His voice just gets higher. <laughs> like, all right, so anyway. <laughs> I, uh, Norhill's actually going to march up uh, to Starbreeze and sort of poke him in the stomach because, you know, that's about as high as he can reach um, and be like, now you listen here. I, you cloud-brained nitty, when I give you an order to take cover, you take cover. Understand? He says, I can't hear you over my chaotic alignment. I don't take orders from a leader, especially not one who pokes my belly. Soldiers who don't follow orders get killed. Uh, does that agree with your chaotic alignment? He mockingly puts his hand up to salute you. Nor he'll beat him up. 
next time. And then next time. <laughs> uh, that's the punishment. Insubordinates in my ranks. Just the one one retainer in the party. And Norhill's got to go beating him up. He just bends him over his knee and spanks him. <laughs> the first time is a warning. The second time is repercussions. Remember this well. And so that he just turns to uh, turns to Anton. He gives kind of like the air jerk off motion when Norhill's not looking. He's like, "Do you believe this guy?" It just shakes his head in disappointment, and then goes to Norhill and gives him a careful. He has nothing to say. Oh, very well. Disappointed. All right. So how much are you going to cure a for? One second. I'm also burning. Uh, Two second level spells to get four sorcery points. You back. get 10, 10 health back. Not bad. Not bad at all. Enough. All right. And so, with that, the uh, party uh, for the next few days are going to be traveling farther and farther north. Uh, I mean, south, rather, to the peak, uh, hoping to reach their wonderful destination. Um, but uh, yeah, so I suppose uh, I'm going to need survival checks now that the pathways aren't very well established. Uh, nobody here has any ab- uh, ability to track enemies, right? No. I didn't figure so. No. Well, that would have made life a lot easier. Um, so with that, um, party's going to have to make their way to Stone's Reach. So let's go ahead and get survival checks real quick. Do you want to do this one or do you want me to, Anton? Uh, I could take a whack at it. All right, here we go. 23? Um, but I, a what? 23. Oh, snap. Okay, the Illuminator smiles on you this day, bringing you probably the sunniest and warmest spring day. But as you go hey. higher and higher up in the elevator. As you go higher and higher up in the elevation, the the wind and the uh, lack of tree cover does sort of let it get a lot colder than one might expect. There's still tufts of snow just kind of dangling and hanging out, sort of in that way that there's always those uh, rebellious snow piles in the uh, mid of spring that somehow manage to like stay around covered in dirt, just sitting there like frosty slugs. And so as you guys uh, piles of dirty snow. Yeah, that's how you tell where north is because you look at the dirty snow and whatever yeah right we know this this is science man fluvial um so with that uh the party as they continue their way up the trees begin a little to to get a little bit more sparing as they're going up um and again you see tons and tons of little small like watery bodies out here uh nothing really like pond sized but on the second day when you guys are able to um, come to a nice resting point you come to what could be described as a small lake or a pond in sort of like a, a nice sort of reserved little area here surrounded by a copse of trees and it looks like from the way this looks and from a 2300 survival check that this makes sense to be sort of like a meeting place for most creatures that live on this part of the mountain as the body of water seems rather fruitful and the streams that flow off from it down um, seem to also come at a pretty decent pace. So this seems to be the kind of place where somebody might find action if they were looking for it. So, what kind of action? You know, like 
critters game. Maybe goblins. Maybe so um, I guess my question is at this point, would you guys like to make camp here, ending your day early, or would you like to continue your way up higher into the mountains and find a place that's a little bit more reserved to make camp? Uh, we don't see any sign of a road or a path uh, that might indicate we're pretty close to the citadel, do we? Mm, no. Uh, the best I could say, if you guys would like to roll an investigate check and survey the area for about an hour, you might be able to find some signs of, of some sort of like a pathfinding. Uh, yeah, Norhill will recommend that we do that and then set camp here. So just go to play Shazeni. Okay. Okie dokie. Okay. So who's going to join in the investigation? Anybody? I'm not that great at it. Me neither. But I can try. I mean, everybody can roll. Clicking got four. We're doing investigation, right? I mean, you could alternatively, if somebody would like to roll like a knowledge of nature check to be able to provide advantage, or maybe roll a, uh, maybe like a, a perception check to be able to provide advantage. I could give those. I got a 15 on investigation. Okay. Norhill got a 12 on the investigation. Okay. Did you click a roll for anything? Yeah, she got a four investigation. What about Anton? 14. Investigation. Okay. And Jarzak, you said you got a 16 or a 15? Uh, 16 minus 1, 15. Okay. So as you guys are kind of rimming the uh, the lake up here and looking around for different spots where there's like a clearing, maybe there's some sort of signs of like a base camp, maybe there's some sort of like an old fire or something like that. You guys come across, pretty much everybody does except for Clico. You guys see the signs of like old campfires that have been doused and, and covered, some of them that haven't been covered. Um, but Jarzak, uh, I will say that as everybody's kind of split up a little bit and looking around in a general area for any signs of paths, uh, you notice uh, like an itchy tickle in the back of your neck um, as you kind of separate yourself. And as you look around the tree cover around you, that's a little bit thicker here on the lake. Uh, in the shadows, you can see writhing under old layers of dead leaves and pine needles as if something's almost like heaving under the plants. Um, and getting the general sense that maybe this has something to do with the deceiver. Uh, what would you like to do? Uh, I'll call out for everyone to come check it out. Okay. And as everybody so this comes... This is day from the Wyvern fight, right? Yeah, it's the second day. Okay. Oh, actually, no, it's the same morning, so it's like the end of the day. Because you guys did that early in the crack in the morning, so this is the end of the day. Um, but I will say, as everybody approaches, uh, when they do the the uh, what's it called the the heaving stops and you hear something carrying on the wind as if maybe like a chortle or like sort of like a a very light sort of raspy laughter kind of carrying away on the wind but as you guys do pop up up to here jarzak looking at that pile and everybody who came up to look at it as well jarzak you look down at your feet and realize your feet are uneven and you're standing on something of a rune stone and as you look down beneath your own foot 
It was just a rock with a couple of dwarvish runes carved into it. You found a damn runestone. Uh, you found yeah. a runestone. Norhild, did you carve this one? I'm pretty sure that isn't one of mine. Uh, what does it say? Or... It's a very tasteful carving depicting two dwarves going at it. All romantic like. You're like, nice. <laughs> it's a depiction of high dwarvish culture. <laughs> But they just don't get it. Um, but, <laughs> but what is that? Like, well, that's the beard. Like, oh, but there's two of them. It's intertwined. Oh, uh, don't like that. Um, but as you look down at it, um, it does have something of like a, a directional point that mentions something of like a fruitful hunting path. But judging by the aging on the stone, it looks very old. It seems to be pointing in a direction that's different from where you guys were traveling before. So what would you like to do? Uh, Norhill's going to see if he can uncover uh, any more of the message or if that's it. That's pretty much it. It's just sort of like a trail marker. Ah, it's a trail marker. Uh, It's pointing us towards a fruitful hunting path in that direction. So the question is, would the party like to continue in Anton's direction, or would you guys like to follow the marker? I will point out that it is very old. The path may or may not exist anymore. If I had to guess uh, about how old is the marker? I mean, judging by your own sort of outside of the Dwarvish hold, expertise and like what you've done for service in the past i mean this looks to be weathered and worn but maybe not more than like a hundred years which on dwarven mountaintop a general path like this if it is well enough tread a hundred years wouldn't do too much to ruin this you know what i mean like the path is probably still there whatever is on the path may have changed but the path, it's, it's not like the mountainside is just like wiped out, you know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, uh, snow cha- snow changes the course of the landscape, avalanches and stuff. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you know, just one, one winter uh, here in Rhode Island, at least, can open up like 12 potholes. So. You know, whatever you do, don't come to our part of Massachusetts. Um, you'll fall into the pothole and never climb out. But uh, what was I going to say? Judging by the, the dwarvish uh, styles of survivalist hiking, they wouldn't be building a major path on a landmass that would, you know, be prone to landslides and whatnot. So, okay. Uh, faith so in your people, Anthony. I don't know. I'm not a dwarf. Norhill's a dwarf. <laughs> Nor- <laughs> Norhill and I are not the same person. Um, I'm the skeptical one. Hold on, do we need to pause and explain this to Dan again? Did he forget? (laughs) Fuck, man. I had a nickel every time I called Jared Jarzak. It just happens. But, um... The the path should be clear, if not perhaps 100% shape. So what's the plan? Do we follow the Dwarvish Rune, or do we continue Anton's way? Or set up camp here at the lake. Mm, Clica doesn't really have much of an opinion. She's happy to go with whatever Norhill or Anton think is best. 
guess my question is if we camp here knowing that a lot of other things might come out here can we just like make sure we're camped in a way that's very hidden like if the goblins meet up here for some reason or some kind of beastie comes down the yeah, i mean you you'd be able to find something that's like you wouldn't be camping on the water you know what i mean like you could camp within like a stone's throw of the place and find a nice niche in a mountainside or something like that or like a rocky outcrop you know what i mean it makes sense that you guys would be in the area but not in the vicinity you know what i mean he doesn't want our luck and get like lost come on that never happened Anton rolls one good roll and is like, I can't do it twice. I will be honest with you people. All right, well, in that case, Jarzak, do you have any strong opinions on it? No. No. Okay, so I guess it comes down to Norhill and Anton making the choice. Are we going up the Dwarvish way or are we hanging for the night? I think uh, camping for the night near the lake might still be the best idea. Uh, this way we can you know, refill our water skins and have a solid start in the morning. Okay. Well, with that, the party can set up a camp. Are you guys going to have a fire or are you going to do the usual thing where you do the lantern until Anton falls asleep? Yeah, that's probably the best idea and keep it inside the tent. Okay. How close do you want to stay to the water? Like close, medium distance, or far? Medium distance? Uh, right. Norhill's looking for like a little dip in the land maybe so that we're camping a little bit below the rest of the ground level. Um, I don't know that you'd be able to find that, but I'll, I'll say that you get something similar to that. Um, and then the last question, what's the order of the watch? Can't tend to go first. Click will go last. Uh, Norhill will go second. Okay, Garzak's third. Magical. Um, so with that, during the uh, beginning of the shift, there's really no issues whatsoever, but on the third leg of the watch, um, I will say I'm going to need a perception check from everybody sleeping. Is that Garzak, there's sleep? Jarzak, there's no way on earth you'd be able to sleep through this noise, or I'm sorry, not sleep through it, not hear it. Uh, Norhill got a 10. Okay. Clicky got a 9. Anton also got a 9. So apparently Norhill's the only one who wakes up. Oh, and Starbreeze wakes up too. Uh, Starbreeze is wearing his pajamas with little musical notes on him. Um, footy pajamas, zip it up. But flat. Um, but with that, yeah, Jarzak, there's no question at all. You Wait, hear man. the roar of... What? What'd you say? You mentioned he was wearing a zip-up. I didn't know he had zippers. Hey, you know what? Is that the part you have an issue with? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the part of this. Well, okay. So anyway, Jarzak, there's no question in your mind what this noise could have been. It's it's definitely a dragon. And having climbed down the Akeratos Mountain and heard this dragon roar before, it's very clearly the same dragon from before. Um, and uh, yeah, 
Uh, Norhill and Starbreeze both leap up in their beds as the rocks of the mountain begin to kind of like jitter around and move about a little bit under the roar. Apparently, Kalika and fucking Anton are too sleepy, though. Anton's considering what a zipper might be. Uh, Kalika's <laughs> busy. I don't even know what Kalika dreams about. I'm scared <laughs> to know what Kalika dreams about. I've seen what she does when she's awake. I don't want to know what's in the power fantasy. But, um, yeah. And I will uh, now ask for a perception check from Norhill, Starbreeze, and Jarzak. 17. What Jarzak get? Sorry, what am I rolling? Uh, perception. Perception. Uh, Soft 20. I am so glad you got that. Because Norhill and Starbreeze leap up, right? And you guys hear sort of like the reverberations of the roar in just kind of the open space. You know, from where you guys are camped out in your little outcropping here, it's very hard to see anything. But the starlight's kind of nice. provides a little bit of like an ambient light. But Norhill and Starbreeze just, I imagine, pop out of the tent and ask what that was. Or I imagine they probably know what it was too. Uh, But Jarzak... As you kind of look overhead to see if the dragon's flying overhead or whatever, you see perched on a rock in the distance, overlooking the water and sort of taking cover in its own sense, like a gigantic looking like half kind of gorilla man. Like it's just this big furry critter just kind of like hanging out and you can barely make out what it is. But because as soon as you like look over in that space, you could swear it looked back at you and just dashes down and runs away. So for like a split second, it feels like maybe something was watching you, but it's very hard to tell. Why is Jarzak the one who always sees random shit? I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, you also saw that mind flare that one time. I think Jarzak might just be a little bit like, a little bit broken after being possessed and stuff. Mm. And you now he just sees cryptids just in different places. He just, so, like, uh, uh, Jarzak was the only one who saw the ape creature. The truth is out there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like Jarzak. Oh boy. Weirdly in in tune with the strangeness outside of his own domain. So yeah, you see the strange Sam Squamps looking monster thing, and it just dashes away, and you're like, okay. Must have been a bad Again, At least it's not a mind flare. Could be worse. It could be a squid monster in the mountain. But with that, Starbreeze pops out and he says, was that the Wyverns? Did they come back from the dead? They could do that, you know. Yeah, they're zombies now and they're coming for you. They spoke to me. No, no, no. Yeah, no. but you're the one who did the damage to them. No, I didn't, remember? I didn't throw I a, rock. a rock. They were really mad. I only... No, I only threw a rock at Norhill. No, no, no. That was bigger. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you not feel the way the stone reverberated with the strength of the cry? That would be the dragon. Yeah, we, we got dragons. Great one. And so with that, as you guys kind of look around in the sky, you don't really see the dragon or anything like that. So it's probably just a one-off. I'm sure you're safe. Right? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, and so with that, the party go back to bed. 
and a very cautious watch for the rest of the evening, but it seems like nothing really happens. Um, uh, so what I'm going to need now is another survival check as we start to near the more summity parts of the uh, Sunderspine Mountains. Um, about how long does Norhill think we have until we uh, reach our destination? About a day and a half, but the last half is going to be just like sheer climbing, like hard climbing. Okay. So this is the last day of like difficult hiking, you know? Okay. Okay. So what do we got? Anton, are you going to roll for the survival this time? Or do you want Klika to? How hot are you feeling? I'll, I'll go for you. Yeah. I got it. 18 on survival. Nice. All right, so for the next day, the party continue to climb up. And what I'll say is the peak is very clearly uh, outlined against the other the other uh, points of the mountain, sort of like the other minor peaks of this mountain chain. Um, and for what it's worth, uh, Norhill, who sort of spent his entire life in this exact mountain chain, granted, very far to the west, I mean, to the eastern part of it, this is still the highest point of the mountains and pretty much the highest point in... I don't want to say all of Amaroth, but yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure it is. So for what it's worth, looking up at these peaks and from where you are turning around at certain higher points, probably at the point where that strange ape man was, the party is able to see pretty much the entire region on a very clear, clear spring day like this, looking out over the land. I mean, you guys can see all the way out to Glory Wake and you guys can see all the way out to Eagle Heart. It's, it's pretty, pretty wild, but yeah, I don't know if anybody had anything they want to look at in particular out there, but yeah, Anton has to look at Glory Wake, of course. How what tall I'll say is? I mean, you you oh, just sorry. see like the general shape of a, of a location, but you know you know where it's supposed to be, but you obviously can't make out detail from here, not unless you had like a. Well, you know what I mean, well, it yeah. seems like there's so much black smoke over by Glory Wake. What'd you say? All that black smoke over my glory wig? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Starbreeze says, no, 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 Jarzak, you must be seeing things. See, the flames and the torturous destruction of glory wig happened a while ago. That, that smoke would have been long gone. Most of those structures would have just been raised completely to the ground, and at that point, there'd be not much to burn. Well, How tall is the, the uh, spire compared to us at this point? Tells the what? Spire. The black, horrible spire made of bodies. How tall is it? Yeah, compared to us at this point. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you'd be able to see it that well. Oh, I mean, nice. it would definitely stand out like a like a telephone tower. like a, I mean, um, like a service tower, you know what I'm talking about? But like, it doesn't look, I don't know. It's hard to gauge the perspective of it from where you guys are. But it definitely looks hauntingly straight hauntingly like tall a structure like this in, in like a fantasy medieval world is hard to imagine you know what i mean so this thing is definitely pretty tall but i will say that at the point where you guys are every once in a while with like the sunlight and the clouds overhead in the distance you know you can see like weird like gray spots where clouds are moving like the shade when you're up high enough you can tell every once in a while when it's like perfect sunlight over the 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 spire you can see 
a strange, like almost reflection, almost as if like sort of the iridescence or the opalescence of like a bubble in sunlight. You see like a weird reflective, like dome sort of hinting around the spire, but it's hard to tell exactly what that means or if it's truly there or just an optical illusion from reflections. But it's definitely hauntingly strange to look at. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, and Norhill is going to look uh, east towards the halls in Quarrydale. I mean, it looks the same it did before from every time you guys have been able to look back at any height. So no, no giant plumes of smoke. I'll say that much. It's not. It's not looking that bad. Um, but yeah. So with the survival check that Anton got, uh, you're able to lead the party up the path that you had originally assumed. Now, this is suggesting you're going that way. Did you instead want to follow the dwarvish path or did you want to go this way that you had initially sought out to? What do you think, Anton? I mean, it looks like the path you were going to follow is fine enough. It's just a very direct route. Because I'm just worried of like, can we easily be spotted on that? Because it is very cute, you know? Sure. The path you're looking to take. I don't know. It's like, just that we're getting closer, we're getting up there. Like, there was apparently a whole common army coming up here, right? Yeah. Tell me, no one spot us yet. Well, I mean, that's assuming they would like leave little watches this far down the mountain. Again, for what it's worth, you guys still have like another half of the distance to travel before you even get up to it's up to the peak. You know what I mean? Okay, I just wasn't sure if there were some iffy areas, but I think we can keep going direct. I think we could get a little bit more behind mm-hmm. us. Okay. And so um, the next series of hours of travel are going to be a bit more arduous than the travel you'd done before as it stops being a hiking path and more of a climbing path at this point. Um, Yeah, it's not going to be great. So uh, what I'll say is as you guys continue to go farther and farther up. Animals we had are being left behind. Wait, what? Assuming. Oh, that's right. I mean, I imagine you probably left them at Fort Evergreen. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that makes the most sense. I was going to say, because you guys camped 30 feet off the ground and those wyverns would have gone for horse meat first. I, why the hell oh. would they mess with you, tin hands? They'd be like, oh, sweet, horse meat. I'll tell you what, the wyverns actually pit stopped at <clears throat> Evergreen on the way and smurfed up all your horses and a particularly plump dog. Unreal. How could they? Played, yeah. I would have seen the fur. (laughs) It's kind of stuck in his teeth. Um, But yeah, so uh, at this point, as you guys are climbing up, um, there's going to be a section up here where you're going to be climbing like slate stone for uh, like sort of like a straight up climb for a solid. I want to say uh, about 40 or 50 feet. There's sort of a midway point that you can sort of catch your footing. 
Um, but it's looking like for everybody, it's going to be at the very least three athletics checks to be able to climb up it, unless you have other plans. <clears throat> uh, Norhill has climbing gear that he can set up. Yeah. Very true. Okay. Uh, Click is going to look at Starbreeze and then at Jarzak and then back to Starbreeze and then at Jarzak. I don't think you can click carry me if that's what you're thinking. Um, Jarzak, I guess I'll meet you at the top. Yeah. Yeah, Strong enough. This should be no problem. Easy. Okay. Um, Starbreeze, do I have your consent to teleport you? Whoa, whoa, Clica, if you're going to be teleporting uh, someone. <laughs> Jarzak, like you just said. No, yes, but Starbreeze also has this. He's famous, don't you know? I'm not famous yet, but I am a great climber. I've climbed into many positions. Well, yeah, and okay. as soon as you climb this, you, your name's going to go down in history. Everyone's going to sing about you. Okay, Clica can take one person up with her. Yep, it's me, Clica. Let's go. Take him. Okay, see everybody else up there, and then Clica's just going to dimension door to the top. Okay. Uh, And so what I'll say is, at the top, I guess what you couldn't see from the perspective down below, Uh, there's grab uh, some rope and stuff from Norhill and some spikes to put rope down once we get up there. Make it easier. Yeah, we'll just say that the, there was like pitons and whatnot in the climbing gear set, so you'd have uh, enough to. I've got fifty p- uh, pitons and five hundred feet of rope, uh, so we got plenty. Right. Um, and so, you what else? Coil is... all the rope around Kleeka. She's more rope than Goblin at this point. <laughs> just got a bunch oh. of pitons sticking out of it. And I'll say this much: from where you uh, popped up uh, at the top. There's a small landing in a small cave-ish kind of thing. It's kind of like just like a, a rocky overlap. Uh, but inside, you see about three half-eaten uh, uh, goat corpses. And each one of them looks like they were like ravaged and torn apart and eaten by something that was in a hurry. And you see bloody footprints kind of all around the place. How long ago? Are, is the blood still pooling or are the corpses like frosted over? Oh, they're like frosted over pretty well. I mean, it's not super cold up here, thanks to the sunlight and whatnot, but it's definitely like they've begun to decay. Okay. But with that, Norhill, you can do your athletics check at advantage to start climbing, climbing up. And Anton too, I suppose. Uh, 17. Very well. So you climb up halfway, go ahead and do another one to climb up the rest. Um, 16. Very well. So Norhill, uh, representing his Dwarvish mountain climbing culture, does amazingly climbing up the rocky slate. Uh, Anton, what about you? Are you ready to climb? As ready as he'll ever be. Very well. Uh, Norhill is going to be up at the top preparing to uh, pull Anton up the last couple of feet. Okay, very well. All right, Anton, let's see what you got. Just making sure athletics is my really only option. Well, that's why I was saying, if you had any other options you can think of. I don't honestly think I do. (laughs) I don't either. Yeah, I don't. 
Oh, yeah, I guess I will have to just stick with athletics. Let's go. Got a 15. So yeah, you make it up about halfway and go ahead for the second half. Yeah. Is where we get a hot two. Thirteen. Don't freaking jinx me. Very like well. That. Oh come on. Uh, and so that star breeze uh, climbs up the first half, and with that he thinks back to what Jarzak said and said, "You know what? If I'm going to be a hero, I'll build myself up. I am surely part of this team, but." They'll sing stories of me, not how I was helped. He unhitches himself from the rope and he starts to climb up freestyle. Free climbing. He got <laughs> oh, a Jarzak, you're gonna have to go fly and catch him or make someone else fly and catch him. Do we need him? He to no, but I tumble backwards. I did say I was gonna bury him, so I'm gonna have to go back down if he dies. You know what's easier than that? Let the snow take care of it. But that doesn't he count. Takes, he said he wants an unmarked grave. He took 25 points of damage from the fall. He oh. didn't block any of it. I rolled one below. I mean, uh, yeah, a couple below max. Uh, he did? I'm not going to say he died, but he lived as he died. I rolled a four on the athletics to climb freestyle. And... Uh, yeah, he's not. He's not doing good. I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say this much. Uh, he's dead. Oh wait, I can't. Can I just spare the dying and help him out? Yeah, I'll let you. didn't have anyone f- cast flyer. There was nothing we could do once he started fly- falling. That was just that. Yeah, as a. I as mean, a he just fell backwards. Level. I mean, all right. The time yes. it would take to cast the, the spell would be what? Ripper dip dip, bud. Six seconds. So yeah. what is is spare the dying? Is that a touch spell? That is a touch spell. I will cast fly on me and Anton and fly down and loot the body. God no, Jarzak, you, you gotta bury him. There's also a rope you can climb down. It, it wasn't a hard check. He literally rolled one below what he needed. Like that's the insulting part is that he rolled below one where he needed it, and then he rolled one too many where he didn't. So I mean, Anton, you could you could scrabble down. I mean, he's going to start rolling death saves. I didn't think yeah, you guys no, would want to save him at all. I want to get down there and hit him with spare the dying and heal him up, and then slap him all in right. the head. Bring a fucking. If you want to travel recklessly fast, you'll get there in two turns. If you want to get there uh, right on time, you could do it in three and do it safely. Something tells me Anton's going to be a little reckless in this because that's kind of shocking. Okay. I mean, you I have fly, so you can just fly straight down. Oh, well, I didn't. No. I didn't want him to waste the fly spell on that. I'll just catch because again, him. it's just. <laughs> God damn it! In this game of flying, <laughs> in this fucking game, man, he can just climb the fucking rope. Nope. <laughs> Y'all, are we flying? Or are we not flying? Yeah, we'll fly down. Okay, we're flying down. Oh, yeah, no, it's we. What? Okay. Well, you sure did spare the dying. So, what's the loot look like on him? Are you looting him or are you saving him? No, I'm looting him. No, you're not. Anton is going to prevent you from looting him. <laughs> Slap your hands away while healing him. Why is this what happens? Hey, I offered to teleport him up. His life was in his hands. Click would have just had to go down and bury him. That's that. 
You know, he no. would have looked badass if he made it. I'm going to stabilize him at zero and then I'm going to heal him for. Uh, son of a fuck. One second. Did it really not just work? It says nine. Nine, thank you. Nine points. Yep. Well, with that, he gasps as Jarzak's looking through his pockets for some loose change and finds, uh, not surprisingly, very little of anything important inside of his pockets except for half-eaten pieces of bread that he has been eating on the way. Um, but as he lurches forward from his bloody little pool where his head smacked on a rock <laughs> real good, he he looks up with a nice bloody bruise already like inflating gash on his forehead, and he's like, oh no. And he turns to Anton real quick. He says, is it hot or is it scary? It's scary, Starbreeze. You died. Damn, I know, but sometimes that makes me cooler for being the guy who died and came back. But if the scar is going to look scary, they're going to be afraid of me. Yeah, it's going to look scary. Your career is done. Wearing more, gonna have to start wearing more makeup. I'm giving you the opportunity now. I think you need to stay here or you need to head back home. Oh, he'll die on the way down for you sure. Coming. Yeah, he's not going to make it home. No. Or you need to stay here and wait it out. Anton punishes him. You are forced to walk home by yourself. You can, I brought you back so you could die to have exposure <laughs> or getting eaten by a wild animal. Yeah, whatever ate these goats. He's just such a liability. He just crosses his arms and he says, I made one mistake. Okay. I'm fine. As he falls over. Starbreeze, you, can you please, if you're going to die, can you die somewhere where I don't have to waste a spell slot to come and bury you? Thank she you. You could have used the rope. <laughs> Klinka um, doesn't do good with climbing, climbing either. Up. Klinka knows her limitations. He's going to start climbing the rope. I will, up I will scoop fine. him and fly up. He did find climbing the rope. So he climbs the rope and he makes I'm it I'm just going to gonna be behind him with my arms like ready to catch him. No, he's just under the armpits. Just yeah. under the he's armpits getting, the entire time. He is yep. getting a child leash. He is going to get a rope oh. wrapped around him and tied to Anton or somebody so he doesn't so do he gets up. Stupid. He gets up to the top and he brushes his hands off on his pant legs and he looks down at very red and raw skin on his hands and he's like Oh yeah, this is gonna heal great. Looks and sees the dead goats, and he's like, <laughs> "He says, was that you?" Points to Klika. Um, not this time. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> no." The only time Klika killed goats is when there were zombies. That's true. Oh, how far we've come. But anyway, with that in mind, um, yeah. So with that, the party uh, is free to finish up the rest of the travel for the day. I will say that at this point, once you finish a couple more of these hard scrabbles to kind of I mean, scramble up higher we, elevations. Could we have done anything to figure out where the things that ate the goat went if they had like bloody footprints? Did it seem like they went? I mean, it, or did Just they... because the bloody footprints like dry out. It, there's kind of a frantic running around inside this little camp area and the footprints you're looking at. I mean, if you'd like to, you could roll for a knowledge of nature, Jarzak. Uh, Any nine? 
I mean, for what it's worth, the feet look more like a bipedal, like humanoid than anything else. But again, the, just the sheer size of it makes it look like maybe it's some kind of giant or something that's kind of like a giant. So it's hard to tell, but it's not like a bear. It's not like some big giant cat. Like this is just like big old feet prints. It's but, Sasquatch. Yeah. Well, judging by the fact that there's also like, wrong, like nailed, like, what? No, I said, Ronnie, you said it wrong. It's a Sam Squatch. Very different monster. Um, homebrew. Uh, but with that, the uh, the thing I will also say. I from knew a Sam Squatch that... growing up. He was a cool guy. He moved away in fourth grade. Good old Samuel Squanch. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> I went to Sam Squanch High. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> and so, used to walk. Well, I used to walk the Sam Squanch Trail. <laughs> I'm so tired of this. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that Squanch is actually Sam Adams' middle name, just Sam <laughs> Squanch Adams or Sam the Squanch Adams. Uh, no, but what I will say is the toes on the footprints, you can tell there's little nicks at the end of them that reveal something like real sharp nails or talons or something like that. So again, just from the very quick glance you got at whatever that strange ape man thing was, these don't look like his kinds of footprints, you know? But... Hard to say what it could have been. Well, whatever, whatever it is, we probably don't want to beat it by loitering around in its lair. We should be on our way. Okay. And so with that, um, where would you guys like to try to make a campsite at the end of this? Because the rest of the way is very slate, very rocky, and the best you guys can find for like cover you could probably find a cave if you'd like to, but it's going to take a lot more searching than it has before. And there's a couple of sort of like in-between spots you guys could set up something of a makeshift camp, but there's also one major clearing you guys could. This high up in the mountains, the big clearing is not much more than like 40 feet by 50 feet. So it's not like some like football field up there or something. So what would you guys like to do? It's very little like tree cover. Most of the trees up here don't have much going on. The shrubs are pretty scarce too, just to give more of an idea of like how little cover you guys will have up here. Yeah. Uh, Norhill will recommend camping like right next to one of like right up against one of the walls uh, so that at least if somebody coming from up above uh, happens by, they'd have to look straight down to see us. Okay. Sure. Okay. Does everybody else agree with this? Or would you like to kind of press yeah. on to try to find a cave? It's know. not particularly snowy up here, right? No, not really. It's cold and there's like a light dusting in some spots, but it's not like drifts of snow or anything like that. Mostly rocky ground too, not too much soil. Yeah. I just didn't know if there was anything we could do to camouflage the tent. I'm assuming it's beige. So it might stick out against the rock, but yeah, you know that's uh, that's one of the reasons why Norhill recommended being like right next to the yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, did did Anton have something to say? I thought I heard you chime in for a no, second. I think he was just going to go over with whatever he trusts Norhill's judgment. This okay. So, in that case, 
Um, okay, so you're going to try to kind of hide it away in a little spot. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, you guys can roll me a relevance check to try to do your best to tuck this away. I don't know what check you guys would like to do. Who would like to make it? Somebody can probably roll to assist with it, but let's come up with a check that would make sense. Uh, well, Norhill could try to use uh, history and draw his background with uh, the military fighting as a soldier in and around these very mountains. Uh, to do it properly. Okay. We could also try stealth, but I don't know how exactly that would translate. Or Using nature. the general concepts of like what kind of ground to be putting your camp on so you're not stepping on like hard gravel or like hard stones. So your footfalls won't make as much noise. Not to mention taking advantage of like shadows and whatnot. I could mm-hmm. see a stealth check. Would a perception... I'll just let the party agree to whatever. Check you say deception? No, perception. I mean, I guess you could say the same general thing for mm-hmm. perception with the deception. Being able to kind of anticipate what it's going to look like from afar. So, go ahead and agree on something. I, I can't stealth because I have a disadvantage in my armor. So it's like, I don't, but I don't know if that would be a big deal with this one. Well, it would be one person who makes a check. Yeah, Dave, Dan will allow I can roll the history to assist. I don't have a huge bonus, but it might give somebody some help. I'll definitely allow yeah. that. I have a pretty good history bonus. Actually, I'll let you both roll it, I suppose. Okay. Thanks for me. Yeah. Mm, not bad, 14. 18. Cool. All right. So the two of you putting together your two heads and talking about historic battles and how that worked out, Norhill using previous personal experiences and Anton from what he's read in books and whatnot. Um, Klika, were you the one to roll the stealth check? I can, yeah. Unless Jarzak wanted to do it. I got a seven plus five, 12. An advantage? Oh, no. Got another seven plus five still, so another twelve. Mm-hmm. They're ready. <clears throat> so what's the order of the watch? Click or go last. I'll go last. I'll go third. <laughs> hey, Tom, I'll go first. So then that would be Norhill second. Okay. Star Breeze is gonna stay up. He's got a lot of thinking to do. No, he's, um, he's going to get a decent amount of sleep and be ready to march in the morning. <laughs> and if he can't keep up, he will be left behind. Well, so anyway, he sells you guys out to the goblinoids. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you imagine? He's like, they gave me 50 bucks. Fuck you, Norhill. Like, I don't even want the money. You're just a jerk. You should have let me. You shut up. Um... <laughs> You're not my real dad. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't um, respond well to authority. <laughs> he literally said that. I mean, quite, yeah, almost to a T. Um, authority. Uh, who's oh, third I, watch? Sorry, Jarzak, 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 right? Yeah. God damn it, Jarzak. Yeah. Why does this always happen on your watch? Because Jarzak, I always have to be third. Yeah, I, he used yeah, to get away yeah, with fourth. <laughs> 
Uh, Jarzak, do you speak Goblin? Nope. That's unfortunate. Um, so with that, uh, on your watch, um, can I get a perception check? I know a few Goblin words from Klika. That's it. Such as? Korvok. <laughs> uh, eight. That's it. Just random words Klika says all the time. No, just one. <laughs> she just says it with a bunch of different accents. Um, okay. And so with that, um, yeah, it seems like the night goes by pretty uneventfully. And Jarzak, uh, you kind of keep your eyes open for what might maybe be another one of those ape men sightings. But luckily for you, uh, nothing happens. And so, yeah. That goes by fine. Who's fourth watch, Klika? Yeah. So, yeah, as morning comes, no issues whatsoever. Um, I'm going to need another survival check in the morning. Uh, make sure you guys check off another two rations before we get into this last leg. Uh, Norhill is also going to use um, uh, the Silverstein to give everybody a bonus equal to half their proficiency on dexterity saving throws. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Well, this survival didn't go as well. I got five. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Very well. So as the party breaks down... I mean, this makes sense, though. I mean, this is the first part of the trip where it's like you actually have to plot out very specifically which way you're going to go to get to the summit because, you know what I mean, one place is just going to have, like, impassable terrain, whereas the other one might have a more passable spot. So it makes sense that Anton would, you know, fumble here rather than anywhere else. Would um, I be able the party... to try and get above a 10 on a survival check to have him make his at advantage? I'll let you do that. Okay. Might be saving the party's bacon. Nope, I got a 6 plus 2 8. Oh, was it wasn't right. in the cards. So the party put away the camp and with that um, Starbreeze turns to Norhill once the camp's getting put down and Starbreeze turns to him, puts his hands on his hips and his uh, loot is strapped to his back and he says, so what do you got for instructions for me? Try not to get killed. He says, I mean, what do you have for instructions? Apparently you're full of life lessons and a lot to teach. What do you have to teach me then? Because apparently I do nothing but get in the way and cause trouble. And apparently you know best around here, Mr. Leader. Uh, so Norhill's going to uh, look around and pick out something um, like minute but important uh, when it comes to breaking down the camp. Um, okay. uh, I'm not much of a camper, so as a player, I don't really know what that would be folding up the actual like tarp of the tent because if you fold it wrong there's going to be too much air trapped in it and it'll take up like 10 times as much volume all right uh fold the tarp and include that in your load for the day so that he gives you a look of i would say determination more than anything as much as it seemed like he's doing this to spite you there's almost a part of him that looks like all the panache he's flexed up to this point has been not performative per se, but it's been like a show, like as if like this is how he's had to be. You get what I'm saying? 
And after being yelled at by Norhill and been treated like just a fucking child and just being yelled at with a pudgy finger in his face, being like, go to bed or I'll put you to sleep, bitch. Like he he's at this point where he's like, I cannot pass a grumpy dwarf. There is no way to move him aside. So I might as well fucking meet his tempo and let him lead. So whatever the reason is, for what it's worth, Starbreeze does a good job of folding up all the stuff for the tent. And he does it in a in a sort of uh, rote way with a lot of technique that looks like he's probably done this before. But all right, yeah. uh, and, and Norhill uh, makes no comment and lets him do it. We go Hank Hill. Um, so with that, um, that boy's not right. Dang it, Bobby! <laughs> Damn it, Starbreeze! <laughs> <laughs> Look, Dad, I'm playing the loot with my feet. <laughs> damn a star breeze <laughs> oh no wait Norhill doesn't have propane what does he have what does he have anyway okay that's not, that's beside the point we'll figure it out um, but uh, yeah as the party begin to climb up the summit uh, and climb up the rocky portion here with all their stuff in tow you guys can see on the overlap that looks over where you guys set up your tent there is like leftovers of rations like like fish bones and whatever of like dried fish have just been laid out and left behind on the overlap as if they were standing 20 feet over your sleeping bodies eating a full-sized meal it looks like enough food to have fed like four of them and it's just left behind and i want to say it's it's looking pretty fresh because like this sort of thing would have gotten picked up or blown away or something but like there's breadcrumbs on the ground like this was eaten within six hours of now. Like this is not old. So somebody flubbed up on their watch, and I'm not going to say who it was, but don't worry because they rolled worse than he did. So I mean, <laughs> see, that's the trick. Well, at least so, we're on the right track. Yeah. And so with that, uh, the party spend a few extra hours climbing as they do. Uh, but I am going to need a constitution saving throw from the party as at this point in the altitude and having pushed yourselves this hard for this long, it's definitely wearing on you. Clica got uh, 23. 18. And me. Norhill crit for a total of 27. Yeah. Okay. Jarzak got 18. Sweet. So the entire party is just pushing on by just sheer determination as well. Even Starbreeze doesn't even look like he's bothered by this. Yeah, Dundalin keeps up with the party, carrying nearly three times as much weight as he had to carry before, but he's red-faced and hoofing it, and he's just pushing. You can tell he's definitely very cold at this point up in the mountains, but from where you guys are standing at about midday, you can see the actual, like, Stone's Reach Peak. It's a sharp and harsh-looking spire that stands up around what looks like the natural peak, there's like a sharp point that just rises out even higher than it. I'm trying to think of what it kind of looks like. Almost like a... I don't want to say like a thumbtack, but it's almost like a very dramatic, like like cartoonish like spike. You know what I mean? Like in like a video game, like spike traps. Like mm -hmm. it's a cartoonish like spike. But... The farther you guys go onward, and I, I guess the question I want to ask you guys is, are you planning on traveling stealthily at this point? Or did you want to just kind of try to make it up to the point where you can see what's going on before traveling strategically? 
I'm good for just trying to move forward. I know yeah. stealth yeah, isn't. I... Our stealth isn't our strong suit. Yeah. Very good. Okay. And so with that, as the party press on for a couple more hours, that spike that you saw before, now that you're at a better angle, having traveled longer than it should have taken, uh, Anton taking a more scenic route. Um, at this point, what you guys can see is that that spike, uh, it's sort of like in this very interesting sort of, what do I want to say? The shape of it is like almost like a platform in the actual like peak, but everything has just been cut slate around it. You guys can see that there is a giant icy bridge that connects that to sort of the next general base of stone as if something carved out all that space and made just a giant like moat around it. The bridge itself looks like it spans probably 300 to 500 feet and it snakes its way down in sort of a large exaggerated S shape, taking its time as Norhill can tell around spires that reach out out of like the chasm to provide cover for whoever is on the side of the spire itself, like the actual stones reach the peak. So it definitely looks like a defensive structure, but the moat itself, even from here, you guys can hear the crashing and running of water as if there's some sort of like body of water that seems to be alive and well flowing down uh, something of like a chasm uh, where you guys are climbing up, sort of like one of the original water passages of the mountain that feed down into all of the other ones you've passed on the way up. So as the party continue their way up here, it looks like there might actually be two paths to go down. One path following up that frosty frozen bridge to the now very evidently frost covered peak, uh, or the second path, now from where you guys are standing, you look down into the watery passage down below, which is about, I'd say about 60 to 80 feet down. You guys can see that they're in the waterway is sort of a couple of little island landings and a few small little boats that seem to be parked at like a little bit of a dock in the bottom as if this little body of water might be used as a defensive entrance, a secondary way. It's not really well hidden at all, but I think just the natural setup of it being so far down and just leading into freezing cold water that it would seem nobody would be foolish enough to climb down. So my question I have for you guys, as the sun begins its descent on such a day, which path is the party going to take? Or are they going to do a third option? Boats might be our best bet. Trying to climb the bridge will leave us open to whatever defenses they might have set up for themselves. Time gives us not an agreement. Will we all be able to fit on one boat or is it going to be multiple boats? They look like little dinghy boats, but they're again like 80 feet down. It's almost like its own little like kind of secluded little lagoon down there. Like this little water, like a, what do they call it? Like an ice flows. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's like the, like the ice just kind of moving around and bumping into each mm. other. So the little boats that they do have, have like the reams on it to kind of like squeeze through it. But each one looks like a, like a tiny little dinghy raft. Like it looks like it fits maybe two goblins at most on each boat, if that. Mm-hmm. And there's only like three boats down there. And they're all tied off on the far side. Oh, maybe that's not, that's not the best. Um, Clico thinks the boats wouldn't be too bad. 
Yeah. Just, not to mention there are ice flows, so like you could stand on the ice. It's just falling in or breaking it might not be so great. So, I guess it's time for an official vote. Well, Starbreeze thinks that they should go the path of the bridge. And he says, it's too obvious to not do it. He says, of course, nobody in their right mind would cross the bridge. That's why we have to go that way. Because they wouldn't actually think we'd be that dumb. You do have a fair point. Starbreeze thinks to himself as he comes to the logical ending of what he said that nobody would be so stupid as to do that and then he thinks to himself that he just said he is stupid enough to do that he thinks about it sees Darzak agrees with him and he's like maybe we are that dumb but what if they think we're that dumb that we would do it then we have to go the other way they're good they think about everything don't they I don't know how they're 20 steps ahead crap they're thinking about what I'm thinking about now they're doing it again they're in my head it's the mind flayers it's Samuel Squatch (laughs) well Anton what do you think it seems like you're the deciding vote the only reason I want to say we go near the boats is because I think we need to dig in some more information. What, like, what kind of troops are up here? What are we dealing with? Because if we want to go after the dragon, but there's also this shaman that's an added, possibly very frightening threat. Rather, we try to get as much information as we can, and something tells me the boats might give us more insight on the goblins. I was going to say, dragons don't use boats. So I'm like, very clearly, somebody's using boats. You said they were goblin-sized anyway, so. Well, I said that they could fit two goblins, just so you, nobody gets the idea there's, like, Viking ships down there floating around. Well, I mean, you know, just like an average rowboat could fit, you know, two humans, you know, it's a goblin-sized rowboat. Well, goblinoid, don't forget, there's bugbears, man. Well, those are two different sized creatures. True, true. But in general, two bugbears could fit on a boat. Doesn't mean comfortably. Are bugbears ever comfortable? <laughs> they do seem pretty uncomfortable. They seem like like the most pubescent, like pre like going through puberty is is just how I always feel bugbears are. Because like hobgoblins feel like they peaked at their height and that's they're comfortable with it, but like Bugbears always feel like their hands are too big and their feet are too big and they're too gangly and like, I don't know. And yet somehow they have a natural stealth buff. Um, okay, so what does Anton think? We're going to go down to the boats? Yeah. Okay. And so with that, the party has decided has Starbreeze kind of just shrugs his shoulders and agrees with whatever the party has to say at this point. And he asks Norhill, do you have a weapon I can hold? Uh, Yeah, Norhill gives him a crossbow. And so with that, he puts it down onto the ground uh, with like the, uh, the the metal muzzle of it first. 
puts his foot in on the bow of it and pulls back the cable and locks one of the corals in there. And he says, it's been a long time since I've had to shoot one of these. And uh, by a long time, I mean never. I'm kind of surprised that worked. And he picks it up and aims it directly at everybody real quick. And he's like, oh, sorry, right, yep. Oh, uh, down, uh, down, down range and keep the ammunition pointed at the ground when I, or at the enemy. So always remember, oh. the first rule of any weapon is the pointy side goes at the other guy. So he points at the icy spire and as he holds it in one hand, shoots off the crossbow bolt and it goes whizzing the full speed in direction towards the spire and echoing what you can hear through the whistling biting winds is the clattering of a single crossbow bolt that smacks against the side of the spire falls down and just clanks around in the distance on the icy bridge and that's where we're going to end it as Starbreeze looks to you with a look of like you told me to Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Don't